Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Explaining History podcast and today I want to talk uh, about the beginning stages of the Cultural Revolution in 1966 and the relationship between Mao and the Red Guards who were primarily made up at this point of students. Now previously I've talked about the Cultural Revolution. Um, It is a a complicated and drawn out um, set of processes Um, But it can be roughly described, the early phase anyway, can be roughly described like this. Mao had caused himself significant problems by the failure of the Great Leap Forward. This was the attempt to rapidly industrialise China, the second five-year plan, which had ended in disaster, had actually seen the Chinese economy shrink, and resulted in a famine which which had killed, and the conservative low estimate is 40 million people. A, an out-and-out catastrophe. And at the uh, Lushan Party Conference in 1959, um, Mao is openly criticised by Peng Duhai, um, uh, and he is uh, sidelined. The uh, running of the state is handed over to Deng Xiaoping and Liu Xiaoqi, um, and Mao, for the next couple of years, really goes into a, a sort of a semi-retirement. He hasn't gone away, and he's planning his return. In that time, Mao believed that um, capitalist elements were returning to uh, Chinese um, society, that the uh, reforms that um, Deng and Liu were introducing, enabling the the farmers to uh, the peasants to do a bit um, a bit of uh, commercial farming, um, in order to restore the economy, was the the beginnings of capitalism again. And Mao also believed that from nineteen forty nine to nineteen fifty seven, um, that there had been an insufficient amount done to really root out um, class enemies. And he also, Mao looked at the Soviet Union and saw the Soviet Union trying to develop um, more ways to peacefully coexist with the US um, and believed that really after Stalin the Soviet leadership had gone soft and that the uh, to be a Khrushchev 
uh, was seen as the, the kind of most monstrous accusation of uh, kind of revisionism, and so there was a, a need in in Mao's eyes to reinvigorate um, the revolution. If you can think about it this way, that the seizure of power in 1949 could be seen as a political revolution, the era of the five-year plans and the Great Leap Forward, an economic revolution. This was going to be a cultural revolution in that the, the ways in which Chinese people thought about the world were going to be uh, revolutionised. And in 1966, the whole scale and terrible destruction of traditional Taoist and Buddhist and Confucian culture, um, the burning of libraries and monasteries and temples and shrines, was um, a way of attempting to erase uh, aspects of Chinese culture um, that were um, potentially oppositional to Maoism. Now, if you read um, Frank Dakota's uh, trilogy on Mao, um, The Tragedy of Liberation, Mao's Great Famine and the Cultural Revolution of People's History, the, the picture that he gives... Um, and he has been criticised in some quarters for uh, being too relentlessly anti-Maoist. But if you look at the, the, the death tolls involved, I wonder if it's actually possible um, to make that argument that um, a, a regime that, uh, that, that starved 40 million people to, to death, uh, is it possible to be too critical of it? I'm not sure. Um, anyway, Frank Dakota... The point that he makes is that Mao's appeal in 1966, when he returns from exile, is based around the long-standing resentments that many Chinese people have towards the party. Mao distinguishes himself from the party. He says, really, the party have made mistakes, the party has become corrupted. Um, Mao is seen as uh, being separate from this and, and given... Um, a sort of and, and, and put in a sort of a, a hallowed position um, in the Soviet Union in Nazi Germany. There were interesting parallels with this this phenomena. Um, very often, by the end of the nineteen thirties, the Nazi Party is very unpopular, but Hitler himself is seen as a, a kind of a mighty figurehead and someone beyond reproach. And um, Mao is um, responsible for an immense amount of the hardships that the Chinese people faced. But he had simmering resentments against the party establishment and the party elite. He believed his way back to power and also his means of revenge was to turn the people on the party. The party isn't the first target, however. Um, the first target is Beijing and particularly the, the mayor of Beijing, and the education establishment of Beijing is schools and universities. Mao had been quite enigmatic for most of the first half of 1966. He'd been travelling the country. His whereabouts had been fairly secret. He'd been on his train. Um, and he then signals his return to public life by uh, swimming in the Yangtze River. Um, it was a, a very high-profile event, and um, there were propaganda posters of him um, uh, he was in 72 by this point and getting on a bit, but it was his way of showing that he was still a significant force to, to be reckoned with. 
Um, the day, a day or two later, he's back in Beijing, um, and he establishes the the Cultural Revolution Group. At that point, um, he, this is much to the uh, unhappiness of Liu Chaoqi um, and Deng Xiaoping, um, who by the end of the year have been purged. Uh, Liu Xiaoqi is put under house arrest and he's brutally murdered in the end, where Deng Xiaoping uh, winds up uh, for spending several years uh, working in a bicycle repair shop. He's sent for uh, re-education. And the... Um, Groups that were established by Liu Xiaoqi uh, called work teams, who are really um, a kind of a, a Liu Xiaoqi version of the, the Red Guards imposing um, a, a particular kind of uh, Maoist orthodoxy in schools and universities and attacking students. They're disbanded and their victims... Uh, exonerated and released from prison, and these form the beginnings of the uh, of, of Beijing's Red Guards. Once the Red Guards begin to be established in Beijing, they start to crop up almost spontaneously across the country. So it's worth pausing for a moment to discuss who the, the Red Guards were and what they were about. The Red Guards initially, before um, the end of 1966, are students who are um, avid, if not fanatical, supporters of Mao. They are readers of Mao's Little Red Book. Mao's Little Red Book um, was a uh, small collection of Maoist aphorisms and phrases and sayings and teachings that become um, so wildly popular um, that enormous resources are set aside, huge, vast quantities of red ink, red plastic for the backings of the books um that uh, um it becomes uh, almost you know almost a super industry in its own right printing them the destruction of chinese culture that begins during 1966 the attack on the four olds um means that um other than purchasing the red book and other um trinkets of mao culture Maoist posters and pictures and paintings, there is too much fear associated um, with any other kind of intellectual pursuit. The only uh, outlet for people culturally at all is Maoist culture. And um, Red Guards spend their times uh, ransacking the homes of Chinese people who have um, their uh, belongings left after um, the uh, 17 years of Maoist rule and taking anything that is considered either feudal so uh, aspects of um, older Chinese culture or bourgeois um, so creature comforts and luxuries and destroying them um, there are all sorts of accounts of um, older Chinese people having their gardens torn up their furniture smashed uh, pictures of um, Confucius or the Buddha uh, or anything uh, of that nature being destroyed, bookcases being torn down, huge bonfires of books lighting up the night um, in order to really try to kind of erase any other culture that has existed in China prior to Maoism. Beijing is gradually plunged into anarchy when the new Red Guard groups across the country are invited to come to the capital and they are given free transport 
um, free food and free boarding um, in order to make sure that they can get to uh, Beijing and they can um, parade in front of Mao. Um, Mao becomes rather fond of being able to address um, a, a million students at a time. Um, and the city um, has a capacity um, for several million inhabitants, but that capacity during the August of 1966 virtually doubles, um, and you can it doesn't take a uh, a public planning official to think of the pressure on amenities, uh, food, sanitation, uh, accommodation, all these things. Uh, the streets become strewn with rubbish and sewage. There are red guards um, sleeping on station platforms and in the street. And the dormitories that are uh, assigned to them overflow. Um, they are garrisoned in people's houses um, and in schools. To- Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Being shut down. And the um, problem as well is that not all the Red Guards who come to Beijing are ideological Maoists. Many of them are just young people who um, like the idea of some free travel, some fun and adventure, um, they are uh, given an inordinate amount of power over their fellow citizens to behave as essentially as badly as they like, um, to be um, rude and abusive, uh, because they are. It is being done in the name of Chairman Mao, and anyone that answers back is an anti-revolutionary, revisionist type, um, taking the the capitalist road. At the start of the Cultural Revolution. Um, all sorts of um, groups and social organisations believed that there were um, there were opportunities really for them to get ahead. They're thinking, well, Mao has got um, is throwing all of society's pieces in the air once again, uh, and we can press home our own advantage. But it was students that really are, were the ones who were were principally favoured by Mao. 
Um, he said, we have to depend on them, um, students, to start a rebellion, a revolution. Otherwise, we may not be able to overthrow those demons and monsters. And this was a, a, a confession to his personal physician. So what this tells us is that Mao was prepared to use young people as a kind of political battering ram to tear down the old establishment which had defied him, which had he felt had hurt and humiliated him following the disaster of the Great Leap Forward. The Red Guards began to adopt a, a kind of um, a more militaristic look. They started to wear uh, uniforms um, uh, with a, a, a red armband, um, and they um, armed themselves um, in whatever way they could against um, who they viewed as, as class enemies. And Mao allowed students to believe that class enemies could be represented by anybody in a position of authority. So particularly teachers um, were um, identified. The entry into the Red Guards was particularly um, prescribed. Um, only people with good class backgrounds um, were um, uh, were allowed. So this was initially described as, uh, as a saying, so this, if the father is a hero, his son is also a hero. Is If the father is a reactionary, his son is a bastard. Uh, meaning that uh, anybody, a hero meant um, revolutionary member of the party, people who had clearly done things during the uh, the period of, in inverted commas, liberation. Um, so it, this meant that, for example, in Beijing, uh, only one in five students from middle schools was able to actually join uh, the Red Guards. Later on, Mao dismantles um, this prescription um, and the uh, uh, Red Guards that establish themselves from bad class backgrounds actually turn on the Red Guards from good class backgrounds because the Red Guards from good class backgrounds began to represent an elite that Mao wanted to have swept away. Despite the uh, freebies on offer to the Red Guards, free transportation, food and uh, accommodation, which, by the way, enabled them not just to go to Beijing, but after they'd been in Beijing, to travel the rest of the country and have, really, the, the time of their lives. There are all sorts of Red Guards who write about the wonderful experiences and memories that they have. The actual conditions in which they travelled were, were pretty squalid. Um, the schools and colleges uh, around China sent delegates to the capital, but they uh, were when it was um, realised that they were travelling for free. Trains began to fill up, not just with delegates, but with you know all all manner of people of a, about the same age. Um, the uh, class background is interrogated, but you simply have young people piling onto the trains to to Beijing. Um, there is the the chaos that's created creates a, a, an environment for lawlessness there on the trains there is all sorts of, of violence and intimidation pickpocketing and theft um, uh, various uh, attacks on women um, and the um, line between revolutionary ardor and criminality uh, is very very blurred indeed and the Red Guards, who get a bit of a taste for violence, they don't really lose that 
Um, and as China descends further after 1966 into civil war, which is slightly story from another time, um, the you know Red Guards um, become uh, more and more simply the kinds of violent militias you see in failed states around the world. But Frank Dakota writes, As more and more delegates um, got on board the trains, space ran out. They occupied every available inch, sitting in each other's laps, on the backs of seats, and on the small tables dividing pairs of seats. Some squatted in the aisles, others lay in luggage racks, racks and still others had, had squeezed into the lavatories. When the trains came to a halt in the countryside, local ruffians walked up to the windows, feigning interest in the revolutionary cause. Just as the train started to move, they would snatch watches from the wrists, grab bags out of the windows, and even whisk people's glasses off their, nose, their noses. Some, pulled, uh, some of them pulled knives. Food soon ran out, but in any case, nobody wanted to eat or drink more than the bare minimum. The toilets were always full, and no one wanted to leave the train at stops to relieve themselves for fear of never being able to get back on. So this can be explained as um, part of the, the, the price that Mao was willing to exact in order to return to power. And there were uh, a few, few bases of support that Mao could have used. Uh, Mao uh, were, had really lost control of the army at this point. And it's only during the uh, process of the Cultural Revolution by 1967 that Mao has really re regained control over military force in China. Um, the, the students offer this ideal springboard and it would be um, they would be betrayed by him uh, later on when Mao believed that the Cultural Revolution had run its course and that he had got from it what he needed. Uh, then Mao would uh, send the students, many of them, for re-education in the countryside, meaning hard, brutal, and menial work uh, on peasant farms. Uh, the kind of re-education that they had condemned others to during the course of the, the Cultural Revolution. The, the Cultural Revolution itself is, is thought to have lasted until 1968, so you know, a two-year period. But it's more realistic to say that it continues until Mao's death in 1976. Mao managed to uh, reinstate himself as the sole figure of authority in China by creating um, a, a civil war. But the end, but civil wars don't kind of really spring out of the ground. Uh, they don't come from nowhere. Um, civil wars are created by deep and long-standing tensions engendered into societies, and they, those tensions were engendered by Mao himself. It's, the next phase of the Cultural Revolution happens uh, in late 66, early 67, when the, uh, the workers in Chinese, uh, China's cities decide that they too will rebel. Uh, Mao encourages this as well. And he encourages, by encouraging this, he um, lets loose all the anger of workers who, despite the promises of communism, have been treated extremely badly. They had been um, left with huge um, uh, workplace insecurity. And there were enorm enormous numbers of casualised workers, what we would think of as zero-hours contract workers, who could be dismissed 
um, without a, a buy or leave. Um, there were appalling conditions in factories, low wages, poor living conditions, and uh, the brutality of party cadres who were there to ensure um, that ideological rule was paramount. So there's an immense amount to be uh, to be angry about, um, and there were workers whose living conditions had not recovered since the Great Leap Forward. Um, and the, the it's these kinds of tensions that um, the, that blow China uh, blow China uh, in two, uh, tear China in two. Oh, to mix metaphors there. Um, the students uh, who are the um, the kind of the initial catalyst of, of the Great Leap Forward, they are really the, only the first phase of it. The uh, the real struggle begins when um, the mass of um, Chinese uh, the Chinese working class began to fight uh, in the Cultural Revolution. The uh, Cultural Revolution becomes a civil war because uh, in um, across the country you have a party establishment attempting to defend itself from a rebels inspired by Mao and there in each town and city and province there are divided loyalties with some uh, workers and students believing that the old establishment the party itself needs to be defended whereas um, the the rebels see themselves as an insurrection against the party establishment that has treated them so badly since um, 1949. And the great irony is that Mao uh, manages to escape this wrath um, quite successfully, um, which is, again, an, an interesting aspect of the Cultural Revolution and the mass psychology that goes with it. Well, thanks for listening this morning anyway. Um, we're doing a slightly different format at the moment where we'll do a, uh, a Monday podcast, a Friday podcast, and a midweek review. Um, so I I hope that you know, that's something you guys will enjoy. I think it's already a good, good way of balancing things out. If you can give us a good review, um, assuming you like this, of course, uh, on iTunes, that would be fantastic. It makes all the difference to to this podcast um, and it's the best way you can show your support thanks very much and I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast, all the best, bye bye Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50-80% to less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags and so much more Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.